to me, we're just getting started and I see what, what it needs to be. How many companies, how many people have access to AI today? So in my mind, we have some great technology. We can solve these healthcare problems, the logistics problems, the supply chain problems. We can tackle all of these things and allow people to participate in this new AI economy and do great, amazing things. And so to me, it's how quickly can I actually get to this point where everybody has access to this stuff and creating, inventing, building, and doing all the things that they should be doing in this new AI economy. Everybody I talk to and say, hey, how much, how much of your business today is AI enabled? And they tell me less than 10%, in fact, less than 5%. And I think it needs to be 99%, right? And, and that's kind of the, the challenge that we as a company have. We view it as this should be everywhere to everybody, everywhere, every day, and should be there now. How we doing out there, folks? This is your host with the most, Kenny Vaughn. I play for Team Breakline, and any day I get a chance to spend with these two ladies is a great day. Mm, Kenny, I'm so pumped to be here on this great day with you. It is Sophia, what's up everybody? I play for Team Breakline. Hello there, everybody. This is Bethany Coates, CEO of Breakline. Delighted to be in this space with my teammates, Kenny and Sophia. To the Breakline Arena faithful, we've got another action-packed episode for you today. We've got Rodrigo Leong. He is the CEO and co-founder of Samba Nova. Samba Nova's making some major moves. They are making some big-time moves. Bethany, would you mind teeing us up for this conversation? You bet. Rodrigo and his team have created such an interesting company and their solution is designed to take on many tasks that would otherwise require a data science team, something that m most companies can't afford. So Samanova will maintain hardware and software systems, train models, and make sure everything runs as efficiently as possible to ensure that their companies are able to take advantage of AI-driven insights. Okay, so I see what you're doing there. I appreciate that. And like I said, Samba Nova is making some major moves. Would you mind sharing with our listeners your favorite part of this conversation, Bethany? Well, my favorite part was when Rodrigo sort of sized the opportunity for us. At one time, he said, the pre to post AI transition will be bigger than the internet. I don't know about y'all, but I didn't, you know, the internet means email. The internet means shopping. The internet means our medical services. I mean, it's just like such a massive, massive leap that he and his team are making possible. And he talked about how AI systems have become a corporate imperative. It's not something that you can get around. We have to lean into this in order to better understand the world around us. Yeah, and it sounds like a, a big part of the mission of his team is how quickly can we get this out there? This product is so important to help folks create things, to invent, to build, to iterate in, within their companies. And he makes a point that when he's talking to potential customers, sometimes they tell him that less than 5 to 10% of their business is utilizing AI technology. And he was like, it needs to be 99. Like, we need to get the ball rolling here. He's identified such an important problem for these companies to solve, and their company is really aggressively solving it. So I love that insight as well because it it brings back to light the fact that we're really on the cusp of another evolution. And Samba Nova is absolutely at the front of that charge. What was most interesting about this conversation to me is Rodrigo is a very technical guy, 
But relationships have been a consistent theme throughout the course of his career. Yes. He talks extensively about them. And one of the coolest things that I love that he mentioned is that company building is a team sport. And so as he talks about the different places that he's been over the course of his career, it's been fascinating to see how those long-term relationships have still been a source of inspiration, but also a source of insight as he continues to build those businesses. So absolutely loved hearing from Rodrigo. I think the listeners are going to love this conversation. So without further ado, maybe we should give the Breakline faithful what they came here for. Let's do it. We will see you guys on the other side. Welcome back everyone to the Breakline Arena and I'm so delighted to welcome Rodrigo Liang, the co-founder and CEO of Samba Nova. Rodrigo, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bethany. We're, we're just delighted to have you. And I wanted to kick off this conversation first, just understanding a little bit about your background, your family, you know, how the, the journey that, that you took to Silicon Valley. We'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah, it was my family uh, from Taiwan. I was born in Taipei, but moved to Brazil when I was uh, very little, less than one. And so I grew up in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Those of you who have uh, have been there know it's a it's a massive city. It's uh, you know, 20 million people, but it's a wonderful country. It's a, a beautiful country with a lot of amazing places. Uh, and and so I grew up there, and I spent most of my childhood down there. And um, and then in the 80s, ended up moving to to the U.S. Uh, and uh, for for a variety of family reasons, and eventually found my way to California to do my undergrad at Stanford. And uh, um, did my undergraduate work at Stanford and graduate school at Stanford, and then somehow decided that hey, tech is what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to. Uh, uh, I, I went into computer engineering, did, did my degree in electrical engineering, and, and and my master's in in computer architecture, and then I uh, came out and worked for Hewlett Packard, you know, in the uh, in in the early '90s, and I've been here since. It's been been a fantastic journey from. From Brazil all the way to Silicon Valley, but it's but it's just amazing opportunities that this country has uh, provided me and, and and my family to really be able to you know be part of such an amazing and vibrant environment like Silicon Valley. Well, to be part of it and and to help build it. And when I think about your background, you you started your your career at Hewlett Packard and then ha- had uh, stints at a variety of different startups, including one that was founded by one of your co-founders today at Samba Nova, and then went back to big companies like Sun and Oracle before then co-founding Samba Nova. Um, right. What, like, was there, was there a method to that, to that approach of, you know, sort of like big company, small company, big company, small company? Is that just how it kind of unfolded over time? Was it intentional to do it that way? Or did you just um, sort of lean into the opportunities that were available to you? You know, this is something that maybe, maybe I learned when when I, when I was younger. But certainly, it's, it's uh, served me really well uh, through our career, which is you know relationships matter, right? And and we we, we sometimes get so uh, focused on a career path or career track that we've got to do things only to optimize for that, and then we miss out on all these opportunities that later on unfold themselves and become, you know, great career moves. And so that's kind of how I've actually 
I always treated you know, my, my career just, hey, get to know a lot of amazing people. I surround myself with really smart people, really amazing people, really creative people. And, and, and sometimes without, without really knowing where that's going as far as kind of, hey, is it helping me with my next career step, right? I don't, don't really think like that. And I feel like, you know, you, you, um, you, you get to know a lot of uh, great people and then suddenly opportunities just show up. And so I, I started with Hewlett Packard at a time where my family uh, being immigrant, they, they were very uh, risk averse. <laughs> the idea of going to a startup for an immigrant family was like what? What are you? You know that isn't that really risky? You know, and and there was nothing more stable than Hewlett Packard at the time, right? I mean, that's you know very very stable, an amazing company too. But you know, one thing led to another, and suddenly the opportunity uh, arose for me to try that, and uh, and uh, it was easier because I knew some people there, right? I knew some people, and you had connections there, and then one thing led to another, and since it's always been through relationships, and so I guess the ma- the, the the method to the to the madness, I guess, is. You know, keep your eyes open and, and meet meet some amazing people, right? Because these things unfold, and you 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 know you may realize at some point down the line that the opportunities come from from, from those you met years ago. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, your point around relationships matter reminds me of a, a quote that my mentor uses, which is the best time to make a friend is when you don't need one. You know, and really just kind of having a practice of building friendships, building relationships as a way of living your life versus being strategic about pinpointing someone for a specific purpose. That's true in almost anything we do, right? Certainly, you know, making friends certain, you know, in, in, in the venture world, in the, in the startup world, raising money when you don't need it. That's also really important. There are many yes. things, right? That, uh, and so, uh, but, but in, a, in a culture where we try to optimize for efficiency, Right. Sometimes we do everything just in time and just in time isn't applicable for some things like relationships and <laughs> raising money. Right. And so uh, um, so so to me, it's kind of making an allocation, right? I'm making an allocation every day, every every week, every month to be able to devote time to seeing what's around us. Right. We're part of a fabric, part of an ecosystem. There are amazing people doing amazing things. Every day we walk by some amazing people and if we got to know them. Who knows where that would lead. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're you're very understated, you know, but you have this background from Stanford. You helped build many of the, the biggest brands in tech over the course of your career. And you're now part of a founding team of luminaries. I mean, thinking about the, the folks that, that you have around your table, it's fellow entrepreneurs, Stanford professors, a recipient of the MacArthur Genius Award. Can you talk to us a little bit about the founding team, how you all came together um, as a group to, to start building this company? Yeah, it's um, so, so I had I've been at uh, Sun Oracle for about 15 years. Uh, and uh, I ended up at Sun through an acquisition that Sun made of my previous company that I was at with my, my current co-founder, right, Kunle Olukotun, and uh, Nigerian-born um, uh, professor at Stanford, you know, educated at, uh, in, in the UK, and then went to Michigan, and now professor at Stanford. And so I've known Kunle for over 20 years, right? And so, and, and we've 
you know, we've had an amazing friendship for, for uh, that entire duration. And even after the acquisition, we continue to collaborate on things and just, you know, and explore and, 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 and think of things that, that, you know, we, we might want to do together. And so I think these are all things, again, relationships matter. And in some cases, it's a two decade long relationship that, you know, then eventually the genesis of what, what ultimately became Samba Nova. I mean, it's um, uh, Kunle and uh, Chris Ray, who's just an just amazing professor at Stanford. You know, again, like I said, MacArthur genius, and done, you know, just done a lot of work around databases, you know, machine learning, and just, just a phenomenal person. So the two of them, as professor at Stanford, had collaborated on a number of different projects as well. And so you know, leading minds when it comes to computer architecture, machine learning, you know, and, and data science. And so they, they, they had some good, great ideas around kind of where the technology world was going and what needed to come next. And so um, the conclusion from a lot of their work was that, hey, we need somebody that has experience producing microprocessors, producing products of this scale, producing products that you know can really go into a, an, a, an enterprise environment like that. And Kunle and I had already been, you know, known each other for a long time. At the time, I was running one of the largest microprocessor development groups in Silicon Valley. And so uh, and, and you know, and with the chip shortages we see today, it's uh, these are all things that we're you know kind of even then back in 20, 2016, 2017, we we already knew there were shortages coming because we under invest as a world we under invested in semiconductors and so um, so it was uh, uh, it was timely you know it's timely and you know kind of. Uh, I spent uh, a good amount of time at uh, Sun and Oracle and built a, a, a big part of their uh, chip design business there. And so it was a good time for me to return to startups and take on this challenge of figuring out what the what this AI transition look like for the world and what, what, what we can do together. So Rodrigo, Samba Nova is an AI innovation company, and you all have said that your customer base is not the Fortune 20, it's the Fortune everyone. Can you talk to us about the opportunity that you all are going after and, and how this platform will help sort of the everyday CEO and the everyday team build their business? Yeah. I mean, to be clear, Bethany, we'll take the Fortune 20 as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the Fortune everyone. I mean, here, here's the thing that, you know, where we think about AI in terms of um, such a monumental transition for the world in a way that we're just scratching the surface today. And I tell everybody, look, this AI transition is going to be as big, if not bigger than the Internet. And just think about, you know, back in, the, in 95, 96, when we were just starting, Internet to us meant email. And that's what it meant. Like those of us who knew about the Internet was we would tell that into a window. And then we send an email, and it would go to the and that's the extent of it. And eventually, somebody came with a browser, you know, and and we could kind of search random random files and people. So, in nothing like what you think of today, which is pervasive, right? We shop on it, we connect on. It. I mean, everything we do. I mean, if you think about businesses, everything we do in a business is internet enabled. Everything we do at home, right? For the most part has some internet that's, that's, you know, and so, so you think about AI and you think about the technologies that we've seen over the last two decades, there aren't many that permeate your life in that, at that level, right? Think about it, like your, your phone, your smartphone already is AI enabled, 
right? I mean, how is it sorting through all of the you know different photos that you've got, right? And you're searching for how does it know what trip you? Have? I mean, it's all already kind of moving that way. Look at our you know our shopping experience, right? It's already pre-finding things that we like. It's already AI enabled, and it's going to be even more so, right? And so you think about a world that has to go from zero to a hundred percent AI enabled, right? How would you do that? And today, and today, it's a it's a couple of things that you need. You need the technology for sure, and there are a number of companies like ours and you're providing the technologies. But really, what the big challenge for those beyond the first you know Fortune 20 or 30 is the expertise. Right, if you think about kind of how many uh, how many students or how many experts are graduating out of universities with the expertise to deploy these AI models to help you figure out how to take all this data you have and turn it into some some sort of intelligence for your business, it's you know there aren't that many people and everybody needs it. It's something that everybody needs to understand. How how is that going to work and how is it going to disrupt my business, right? And so if you don't have that expertise, then you're getting left behind. Right, and we fund as someone who just fundamentally believe this is one of those things that you know it's like the internet. No company should be without it. No company should be without AI, and we need to make it accessible to everybody. And the way we do it is make it open and make it as available to anybody. Even you know, for the expert expert user, you can come and buy our infrastructure. And you can use it and do it all yourself. For the first and people that don't want to become an AI shop and become you know uh, hire hundreds of uh, of data scientists. You can just subscribe to someone else and let us do it for you, right? But that levels the brain, you know, the, the 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 playing ground, and that allows everybody to have access to the technology at at, at a similar rate, you know, versus you know, companies that just you know get left behind because AI just takes over and then their businesses get impacted. Rodrigo, you you said something so provocative, which is the pre to post AI transition will be bigger than the internet. You know, and then you were unpacking the internet and the impact that that's had on our life and how pervasive it is. What does the post AI transition look like? Yeah, so if you think about the businesses that we always think about, kind of the businesses that uh, got created from the internet, right? You think about your streaming. You know, I mean, think about all your streaming services, your Netflix. You know, think about all your. Uh, um, online services like the Ubers of the world, right? I mean, these are things that were impossible before without the internet, right? Your, your shopping, your social media, your, I mean, almost everything we do on an everyday basis, right? Got created from the ability to actually have access to this technology. Similarly, there are industries that disappeared. I mean, virtually disappeared, right? And you think about kind of, you know, the, the impact that it had on uh, printed, uh, uh, printed music, for example. We only stream now, right? We don't do CDs, you know, you know any, any newspapers and, you know, various, you know, facts in the fax machine industry, right? I mean, just think about all the, you know, the printing industry got significantly impacted, right? So there are entire industries that disappeared or got significantly reduced because the technology basically rendered it not that useful, right? And so now you think about AI. What is it doing? So here are a couple of examples that I mean. When I want to talk about this, it's it's good for us to uh, uh, understand, and sometimes it makes us a little bit nervous because you think, "Hey, is it going to impact my jobs?" And it might. It might. And this is why I'm kind of out here and telling people early because it's a great opportunity to see what's coming and give you enough time to adjust. Right? And say, "Hey, what can I learn? How can I adjust? Bring my skill sets to these other things?" As I know that I mean, the world's not going to switch overnight. 
but it'll switch faster than we like, or maybe faster than we think, right? And so, so you think about things that AI can do, for example, right? And we, we see this today. I mean, there are a lot of things that we do on a daily basis that are so low-level mechanical, the machines can do it better than we can do it, right? You know, so think about uh, crawling through documents to extract certain fields out of contracts, right? Got a contract, got a call, you know, pull out addresses and enter in the data. I mean, these are very low mechanical, low level mechanical things that humans do today because we don't do a great job uh, from machine. But now the technology is at a point where you can scan those things and we can pull all those things out and have them. You can have hand, handwritten ones and identify, you know, so a lot of these very um, uh, manual tasks that humans were doing and probably in the beginning, not ideal for humans to do as a function because it was so, uh, you know, it's not creative, right? I mean, humans, our minds are, are creative in general, and we're kind of being having to do these mechanical things. The machines are starting to be better at doing it, right? And so you're going to have to think about, okay, well, if I don't need a machine to scan through 10,000 documents and extract these things, when machines can do it better, then, you know, what would that look like, right? Suddenly, you don't you don't need all of those types of things, right? Or, or uh, people that are filing, classifying files and moving documents around, right? Well, you know, the, the machines can probably scan that and actually put them in the right place and, you know, and categorize them in ways that you need to categorize them. Now, think about logistics now, right? And so you can go into like, okay, well, how do I do planning? The amount of work that humans do today in planning inventory, for example, right? We have systems where the judgment comes in where somebody's thinking about, okay, I need to order this many, and this even needs to be stored over here, so I need to order this many from that place, and that needs to ship, ship from here to here. I mean, the amount of human work in between to actually manage logistics is just amazing, <laughs> right? It requires a lot of people in between to schedule things, to order things. And, well, what if you have now a system that can, and there are a lot of companies out there starting to do this and figure out, well, how do I let the machine figure out all the all the needs down the line so that you can logistically plan for all of those things and let the robot do it, right? And so there are going to be things who are kind of, they're just very mechanical in, 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 uh, uh, in function where you're starting to see these machines replace humans for those functions, which means that we as humans need to elevate and kind of think, well, where, where's the strategic thing that I can add value to? Where's the creative thing we can add value to? Because the low level things that, you know, um, um, we had to do before, we're starting to find that the machines can do it better, faster, cheaper, and easier, right? Mm -hmm. um, Rodrigo, in, in your explanation of, of what that could look like, you mentioned you want to give people time to prepare yeah. because some, some of these jobs will go away. We want to make sure that we're able to upskill, reskill, sort of redirect talent to areas where jobs are growing and, and accessible and available. Mm -hmm. it, um, it's sort of tangential to the, the topic of AI and ethics. Yeah. And you all must have thought a lot about that. You know, how do you shoulder that responsibility of, of ethical AI? I mean, so it's something that we all, I mean, this is, we're just at the beginning, right? You see the big companies, you know, starting to kind of tackle, tackle the issues around mo models and biases and the data that we're using to train these things, right? These are all really important things we all have to think about and, uh, and we all play a piece, right? I mean, think about, this is the same thing as ethics around the internet. Again, the, the, the parallels are actually pretty, pretty amazing, right? You think about the internet around security, the ethics of kind of, you know, what's true and what's not true on the internet. I mean, this last election, we had a whole bunch of, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, even 20 some years after the internet's gonna, you know, come out, we're still fighting it every day, 
right? We're still in there really debating, arguing, figuring out ways to, you know, uh, uh, make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're protecting the public on, you know, on, on kind of what the technology brought to bear, right? And so there are going to be consequences that we all as a society have to think about. And yet, I don't think there are many people today that would say, hey, we'd like to get rid of the internet and go back, right? You know, so, I mean, the internet opened up these things, but it came with a lot of good and some things that we have to deal with and we have to you know as a society you know continue to discuss debate you know and, and deal with it. And, and that's been 20 years right since the internet's been so i think this you know the, the ethics around ai same thing is going to be an ongoing thing it's not going to go away it's not something we're going to come in and figure out put a committee together in the year we'll fix it or whatever that means right and so it's going to be something that we're going to keep discovering and say well now what do we do with this now what do we do with that but if you actually think about it in almost every technology, technological advancement that we've had, we've had those moral things that we always, as a society, had to go think about. Right? You think about, you know, the transportation. You think about weapons. You think about all these things that have happened as humanity has evolved. It always came with another piece of it, which is the good and the bad. And now, how do we actually, you know, as a society, try to try to manage and deal with it? Right? And and, and so I think that's going to be a big area for for um, all of us and more people that are kind of today just getting going with AI to figure out how to get involved in because it's going, it's going to it's going to take a lot of folks. It's going to open up opportunities for people to come in and actually create uh, uh, forums and processes for people to have those discussions and debates. And then ultimately probably going to create some new organizations that help manage and regulate you know, kind of what's happening here. Because this is, again, for pervasive technology, you're going to have this everywhere. And so you, every industry is going to have to start tackling the, the issues that come, come with it. And like I said, I think it's going to bring a lot of good. Right, and they're going to be bring some challenges that we all individually will have to figure out how to actually participate and help 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 you know um, mitigate the downsides of a, of a of a technology like this. So, at its core, Sambanova is allowing business leaders to take large data sets and make them useful. You know, to to enable really smart decision making based on the data that's available to you. As you think about I mean, th this is technology that will be ubiquitous, and um, and so everyone will be using it. But is there a use case that you're most excited about? You know, where where this particular platform will really drive positive change for our society? Yeah, you know, there's yeah, there, the commercial ones that people are really already implementing. This is kind of it's not the future. There's things where you know people think about. Uh, in manufacturing, right? The, the fact that then, you know, artificial intelligence is allowing already people to produce products cheaper, right? You know, cheaper, faster, better. And and these are all good good things for us. I think reduces waste. Redu I mean, you think about kind of the, the, the defects that, you know, how, and how many things that we actually throw away in this planet, right? Just because, you know, we're, you know, we're just not perfect, right? And, and yet, if you can allow, the, you know, the, the, the technologies that we have to uh, create things uh, at a higher level of efficiency, you know, create things that, uh, and even like inventory management, let's not over order, let's not like create all these extra things that, uh, you know, we don't, if we, if we have much better in predicting what people want, you don't have the piles of clothes that you see in these pictures where people are going to just throw away mounds of clothes just because we over order, order uh, things like that, right? And so, but what I'm super excited about is ultimately what AI is going to do for healthcare. Right. If you really think, I mean, there are, and, you know, so we're working with the uh, National Cancer Institute and we're working with uh, the, uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, Department of Energy and a number of different uh, public sector organizations around 
what can we do to really understand some of these things that have been really difficult for us to crack over the last many decades, right? And so, uh, and the ability for platforms like ours to be able to take this incredible amount of data and then really focus in on what actually matters and allows then the human mind to then take a much smaller set of pertinent data and then use our generative skills, right? Our creative skills, which I think the machines aren't going to be that, you know, this is another topic, but I think that's where humans should evolve. I think our, our capabilities and our talents are going to be in the generative side and the creative side. And so if we can allow the machine to really just get the problem down to size, that we can actually then take our brains and figure out, well, what are the creative ideas that come out of that? I think we can solve some amazing problems. And you're starting to see this happening in, in certain fields in healthcare, like you know, cancer detection, things like that, where you know, we can look at some of these images that before we just didn't have access to instrumentations across the world. Now you can take a quick photo and then it can tell you whether you know, it has a chance of being something that's cancerous or not. I mean, these are amazing advancements that are making available not just you know, to the people in the leading edge, but it's available to everybody across the world, right? Because now you don't need those expensive equipment deployed in these places for you to get the services that, you know, we already know how to provide, right? We know how to provide. It's just that we don't have the cost structure to ship it all over the world. And now you can, right? Because you're making it significantly easier for people to identify and recognize and detect you know, certain types of uh, health issues. And so, so we're super excited about that. We're very uh, active in that space with a number of organizations. And, and uh, um, I mean, like, like I said, I, I think there are many different use cases on the economic side, whether that's, you know, for, for banking and manufacturing or energy. I mean, you know, lots of things that AI, AI is going to pervasive. Every industry is going to need it. I mean, retail is going to need it, right? There's nothing like you look at kind of you know, people want to refer things for you, like what to buy next. And I mean, I mean this is all all going to be AI enabled. But uh, but the healthcare one, well, you look at the impacts that you know, it can make is tremendous. And and things that we've devoted so many decades trying to crack, right? So many de- decades, you just just you know with with this level of urgency to crack. Now we feel like we have tools that that give us a chance, right? And so um, super excited about that. And we'll see, you know, again, lots of great partners that they're doing some amazing things with our, our technology and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what they come up with. I love that example, Rodrigo. And, you know, and obviously we're, we're in the midst of, a, of an ongoing global pandemic. Are you all involved at all with any sort of analysis around COVID and or future pandemics? We actually are. Our, our last year, our system was deployed at the Lawrence Livermore National Lab for COVID research, right? And so, uh, again, you know, these are um, one of the amazing things that happened with uh, these institutions when COVID hit. All of all of these organizations, you know, just stepped up and started doing work on this, right? And you know, and and we have partnerships with uh, 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 with the U.S. government on this, and, you know, and so we're able to help provide uh, our technology to 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 uh, play a part in that, right? But I mean, this is this is a type of thing where <clears throat> you know, you 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 put aside all, all sorts of other 
uh, other issues and you try to figure out how you can help, right? And so I think, uh, yeah, super excited about the, the fact that, uh, uh, you know, we were able to get our systems in there to help with uh, some, of, some of the work that we're doing there. But it's, you know, like I said, it's a hard problem. It's a hard problem. You've got, you know, these things that uh, have so many different factors and at a scale with billions of people on this planet and all the different uh, things that kind of come into play when you're uh, when, when you see the transmissions and, and, and how, how they move around the, the planet at, at, at a global level, right? they're not trivial to, to, to really kind of try to wrap your brain around. And you've got the variants and all of that stuff. And so, um, no, it's something that we'll soon we'll continue to, to be part, you know, be, be participating you know, both through the existing engagements and some, some new, new uh, engagements that we're working on to try to... Uh, uh, I mean, it's important. It's important for us to stay uh, stay involved in that, especially because uh, you know we 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 feel like we have is we've have to, we have technology that can help, right? And so, and and it's like like you said, it's something that is inevitable. At some point, we you know we're going to be faced with this type of thing again, and we just got to be got to be prepared, right? Rodrigo, I'm I'm struck by how diverse the the founding team is. Many of you are immigrants, and you you all come from a variety of walks of life. And it feels like this is very much by design with respect to the company that you're building and the pervasiveness of the technology as you see it. Is that true? How, how do you think about you know, the team that you have in place at the table today and the reach that you all will ultimately be able to get as a result? Yeah, it's something we're really really proud of and it is by design is also i mean cer- certainly you look at the diversity of the co-founders but even down to the executive team we've got some amazing people who whose backgrounds came from all over the world right and so um we do think that companies like ours and you know probably even beyond technology companies the world economy is a global one today right the issues that uh, we all face across the planet are very similar whether that comes to whether that's covid or or, or global warming or social issues around the food and water shortages and those are all things that exist across the planet and so uh, what we need to think about is well how how can we provide uh, solutions that help everybody right and so uh, having people that can connect to all these different parts of the world and people that have those relationships is something that we value a lot as someone else. And we're really proud that we're, we operate in uh, four different continents today. We sell and we do business in four continents today. And a lot of it is because we have relationships in those places. And, and we're going to continue to do that. I mean, this is where, you know, if you actually have those relationships and people with relationships um, uh, that we can foster new, it really gives you access into places where Otherwise, it would be much more difficult. And so uh, something certainly by design and, and something that we think is a differentiation for us when, when we're building a company like this, um, um, but we know that we have to go global with it and, uh, and certainly it's helped us so far. And Rodrigo, I mean, I'm, I'm just struck by the company that you keep, including like a certifiable genius. <laughs> Like other geniuses have said that Chris is a genius. Like given that that's your day-to-day experience, who do you look to for inspiration? I'm curious, like who do you look up to? Who do you seek energy and motivation from? Who who sets an example for you? You know, I mean, you look around, you look around every day, every day. I mean, certainly, absolutely right. You know, it's like, you know, I, I have this absolute privilege to uh, work every day with some just amazing people, some of the uh, brightest minds, and 
and, uh, and and some of the most caring people too, and people who just are really thoughtful about kind of their role on this planet and kind of how how we can play an impact in, in society. And so just uh, some amazing people. And yet every day, every day that I watch, kind of I watch the news and see kind of what other people are doing. There's just some amazing people on this planet doing amazing things, right? And age doesn't even matter. I mean, you suddenly see some really young folks kind of ta tackling some of the hairiest problems. And I, I think, you know, if we if we all just kind of take a pause, right? just take a pause and listen to what people are doing. You, you know, sometimes it might be like a five minute uh, clip on the news and you hear about, hey, this person did, did this. And then, but if you take a pause and think, when did that start? It probably didn't start yesterday, right? Probably didn't start last week, probably didn't start last month, right? At some point, in order to get there, at some point that individual had to have some inspiration, had to have some, something clicked and say, I'm tackling this. I'm gonna do this, right? And if you if you just take that pause and look at kind of what can be achieved because somebody decided at one point, just decided, I'm gonna go do it, right? I mean, that's that on its own is an amazing thing. And it happens every single day. You just turn on the news and amazing people are doing amazing things. And it all started because at some point they sat down and said, I'm doing it, right? Um, and, uh, and, and so that's kind of, I always kind of look at that and it's just such a, such a powerful thing that, you know, and that, because sometimes we'll get flooded with all this news and, Hey, this company, when IPO that person, that company solved this problem and we could have found the cure to this. And we broke, you know, broke through on this, you know, I mean, all these really amazing things that we're not getting, so we get flooded with them. So we forget, right? It's like, we forget, but if you pause and just wind the clock back, right? It was probably a three year journey. It was probably a five-year journey. At some point, without being able to see what was going to come, they stood up and said, I'm doing it. Right? And that's all it takes. <laughs> that's the amazing thing. That's all it takes. It takes conviction. Somebody has a conviction to say, I'm doing it, and then stand up and actually go for it. Right? And I think that that's kind of, that to me, is, is it's a very inspiring thing. It's, it's all over. It's all around us. Every single day, it's all around us. Um, I love I love that mentality it reminds me of um stephen covey's quote i'm not a product of my circumstances i'm a product of my decisions yeah yeah we are right it's kind of and and, and i think it's easy for the rest of us to look it's like oh wow that person did really great and you know was in, you know, made a good choice but when you're when you're making the choice right it's actually not that obvious right you know mm -hmm. when the when, when the future is still unclear Right. And it's, it's, it's pretty foggy. You got to make that call. And then do I take that step forward and will, will I find solid ground or will I be stepping off the cliff? Right. I mean, when you don't know, right, it's a much harder decision than looking back after three years of work and say, oh, they made a pretty good choice there. <laughs> it's like, I think yeah. the impact is different. You know what I mean? Um, so I want to just pause for a second. Sambanova has been called the best funded AI startup. You all only came out of stealth mode in December of 2020, um, and you came screaming out of the gates. Most recently, raising almost 700 million dollars at an you know over five billion dollar valuation. Yeah. Um, will you talk to us about you know how you thought about teaming up with your investors? What were you what were you looking for? One of my mentors always says that money comes with faces attached. You know, yeah. he's really talking about the fact that these are long-term relationships that you're entering into. And yeah. so how, how did you and your team 
sort of weigh, weigh your choices there? What, what were you looking for in terms of, of investors to help support you as you built this business? Yeah, again, you know, it's the uh, same thing as we said. Uh, so much about it was relationship, right? And so uh, when we started, the first person we talked to was Lip Rutan. He's our chairman right now. And and, and uh, um, just a amazing investor. He's been, a, you know, an investor for many, many decades. He's very successful, you know, over 100 IPOs, uh, uh, you know, that uh, he's uh, he's had. And over the last, what, I think it's 12 years, he's, he's now going to step back. He was the CEO of Cadence. He stepped in and he's done the CEO job of a public company while being a prolific investor, right? He's just an amazing person, but I've known him for a long time, right? I've known him for a long, long time. And when I first you know, met him, met, met him uh, um, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, it was, you know, it was just, hey, this was something that, uh, you know, just an amazing person that I wanted to get to know, you know, and years later, we got together and we were thinking of starting this company and we got, you know, partnered with him and, and got, got things going. And if, you, and if you look at our investor base, so much of it is all relationship. We had a relationship with with uh, Google Ventures and that's why GV and and Walden uh, co-led and Walden and Slipu's uh, investment firm and they co-led our Series A. You know, and then we had a relationship with uh, Intel Capital, and Intel Capital led our Series B, and then BlackRock came in because we have a relationship with BlackRock and Tony Kim at BlackRock, and so they came in and did their Series C, and the most recent one that you know you mentioned, six hundred seventy-eight million, that was uh, uh, led by SoftBank. Again, we had a relationship there, and so to me, relationships are really important, right? Any journey on a startup or any company, really, but start especially. There are ups and downs, right? It's never. I mean, we 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 you know produce um, results and people look back. Oh, that, that's amazing! Again, it's it's a journey, right? And you're fighting, you're doing all the things that you need to do, and there are ups and downs. And you want people that understand it and are willing to go with you know, with you on that journey, right? And to have those conversations that you need to have, to have the transparent exchanges that you have to have, and and to really ultimately uh, want to build the company that you want to build. Right. You know, it's really hard when you're actually trying to create a company and people have different interests there. You know, so one of the things that we're just so proud of, we, we've assembled a, a, an amazing uh, set of uh, board members, an amazing set of investors. And uh, um, and they share the vision that we have, which is AI is going to transform the world and everybody needs it. And we should be the player to provide that. Right. And so people have a long term view of it. Nobody's thinking about this as, hey, we need to do a, a, a quick flip of a startup or hear it because we have something that we can offer to the world and it's going to be here for a long time. And so let's make sure we build it the right way. We produce the things in the, in, in the way that everyone can consume. And that's how we ended up with the products that we're actually producing today. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I love that storyline. And <clears throat> it reminds me of something that somebody said to me, which is when you're choosing to partner with somebody over the long term, it matters so much more how they show up when the chips are down, you know, rather than like when everything is up and to the right. Because when you're creating something new, as you said, Rodrigo, there will be ups and downs. You can count on it. It's a certainty. And so how do people function when it's hard? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And this is where like, you know, I think, you know, new, new entrepreneurs and, uh, and uh, folks, folks out there listening who are thinking about, you know, starting their company and, uh, and raising money. And sometimes, you know, it's, uh, look, raising money is never easy, right? Raising money is never easy. And you're always kind of, you know, privileged to have people who kind of are willing to take a bet on you. And we feel like that every day, you know, but, uh, but just as important as finding people who share the vision, because even though, you know, we, you know, you, you can always look for, 
uh, investments where the valuations are higher and things like that. But long term, I think really what you want is a partner that actually shares your vision, right? Somebody that can help you realize kind of what the what the opportunity is and is willing to go with you because you know, we all know and most most investors are very familiar with uh, with the ups and downs of startups. And so you want people that um, that that have had that experience, you know, that uh, um, that you 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 uh, have the relationship to. Do exactly what you said, you know, to, to be able to kind of work through as the challenges of building any company will present. You know, Rodrigo, I'm actually surprised um, at if I had to say there was one theme to this conversation with you, it's the importance of relationships. It was one of the very first things that you said in the conversation. You've returned to it multiple times. And I just think it's so interesting. You're building a really complicated technology but what you're talking about most of all is the team that's around you, you know, the folks who show up to help you, the people that you can rely on. Relationships seem to be what you think about most of all. It makes everything work, right? And so, you know, when I started this company, at one point, 80% of the company had worked for me for 10, 15, 20 years, you know, so wow. I mean, it's a, you, you think about kind of why does it work? And investors, think about the investor's perspective. You know, there, there are risks when you start you know, an investor coming in, and there are many risks. Technology is a risk, right? And the market's a risk. But one of the biggest risks that investors always have is will the team stay together? <laughs> because, like you said, just like investors, you want those that can work with you when chips are down, right? Mm-hmm. Team members, you see this in sports teams all the time, right? Some amazing talent. Put in a team where they're not doing well, and that amazing talent isn't performing that well because there's, there, you know, and so, so I always go back to is, it's, uh, do we have people that work together well and can work through the issues together? And if folks have worked for me for, you know, like much, much of my exec staff have been with me for 20 years plus, mm-hmm. right? And so we have gone through up in over 20 years, I assure you, in tech, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> some downs right there's some ups and some downs but you've lived through them and so so if you have people you have gone through those types of up and ups and downs together for the company as as an entrepreneur for the company it actually takes a lot of the risk out for me to an investors it takes a lot of the risks out and i have investors and people who can work together i can go to a customer and it takes a lot of the risk out for them, right? Because customers, are not, they're not buying a product. They're investing in us because they're actually giving their money and time and their own people's attention to our product. So they're investing in us and nobody wants to buy something once and have to throw it away tomorrow, right? They want something that's in there for many, many years. And so, so I look at that as people making investments want to know that, hey, this thing is going to work and the risk is lower. And people is a big part of that. That if you have great people that work together well and know how to work through issues, suddenly you're less worried about what if the market changes, right? What if, the, what if competitive landscape changes? What if the direction of AI changes? What it doesn't matter because you have a, a set of people that understand how to work through those and create products that people need, right? And so that's kind of, I've always, my entire career, I've always you know, been managing for 27 years. And um, I've been, you know, I, I've been fortunate to work with some amazing people. But to me, it all comes down to, as a manager, you put your bet on the talent, right? You put your bet on the team, right? If the team works well, 
you know, you actually look pretty good. Your, your job is actually fairly easy. <laughs> As a manager, your job is really easy if, if you have a team that uh, works well together. If you don't, then, you know, your, your job's a lot harder as a manager. Hmm. I love that perspective. And, you know, Rodrigo, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about how I, I could see how some members of our audience will say, like, this guy, I mean, he's he's building an amazing company. He's well-funded. He has, you know, a set of geniuses around him, like lots of people at the table who are who have shown up to help. Um, he has got all the bases covered. You know, life is perfect. And so I'd love for you to 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 talk to us about what keeps you up at night. You know, what what is the thing like given all the stuff that's going so well? Are there things that that you're wrestling with or that you're nervous about or or that you're trying to unpack and problem solve? You know, I'll, I'll say this, not just me, but the entire team. We've got a restless group, right? It's a rest, you know, because you, you know, the, the things that we see, you know, gotten you know, all these great people and, and, and amazing, every single one, amazing accomplishments on their own. And you see kind of the technology that we have in the, the baseline that we've, you know, and we've announced it uh, over the past year, you know, to the world and what it can do. And we have some amazing uh, 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 examples and demonstrations of the capabilities that uh, we can actually help with. And, and, and like I said, we all the funding, all that. But I, re, I, I look at it from the other end, right? You know, to me, people look at it and say, oh, you raised a billion dollars in cash, it's five months. But to me, we're just getting started and I see what, what it needs to be. Right, like I said, right? I, I go and I go from the other end and say, how many how many companies, how many people have access to AI today, and at what percent? Because I think it should be everybody at a hundred percent, and I can't get and I can't get there fast enough. <laughs> right, so so in my mind, we have some great technology. We can solve these healthcare problems, the logistics problems, the you know the the supply chain problems. We can tackle all of these things and allow people to participate in this new AI economy and do great, amazing things. I just can't get to them fast enough, right? And so, to me, it's not about all these great things that we we we, we accomplished in the last you know last few years. Is how quickly can I actually get to this point where everybody has access to this stuff and creating, inventing, building, and doing all the things that they should be doing in this new AI economy, which I think we already have today. We just can't get to them fast enough, right? And so my, my view is kind of the, the opposite of it, which is there's a lot to do, right? And every, everybody I talk to and say, hey, how much, how much of your business today is AI enabled? And they tell me less than 10%, in fact, less than 5%. And I think it needs to be 99%, right? And so, um, and, and and that's kind of the, the challenge that we as a company have. We view it as this should be everywhere to everybody, everywhere, every day, and should be there now. <laughs> How can we, why can't we get there now? And so now, you can, if I frame that, if I frame that challenge, you can see, well, why do I have a company full of restless people, right? Because we feel like there's a lot to do and there's a lot of lot, lot that we should be doing and, and we should try and try to get there as quickly as possible, right? Because there are people that have to then take advantage of that. And they can create, you, can, you already see the people are using stuff. They can create some amazing things, solve some problems that we haven't solved in decades, right? We just got to get it in front of people, get people on it, get people creating, generating ideas, do, doing all sorts of stuff. And that just, that time just can't come fast enough. Mm -hmm. I love that you and your team are in a hurry. 
Um, last question as we wrap up here, Rodrigo. I'm thinking about where you are today, you know, leading one of the most interesting, fastest growing tech companies in the world with the, the biggest potential for global change versus where you were maybe a few years out of Stanford, you know, still at Hewlett Packard, kind of thinking about your career and everything that might unfold. Um, what advice would you give your younger self? You know, or other folks like you, you know, who really wanted to to um, to build a highly impactful career, um, and they weren't quite sure yet how it was going to unfold. What do you want them to be thinking about? So, uh, two things. One, uh, you know, I always kind of think about like you know, do more and uh, you know, and uh, um, uh, keep doing right. You know, I think you know, I always think about um, what what I learned at Hewlett Packard early days as an engineer and as a manager or some of the best fundamentals that I could have had from anywhere, right? As you become an entrepreneur, as you kind of try other companies, sometimes you get caught up in all these things and you start straying away from what ultimately is good basic principles of how you build businesses, how you serve customers, how you think about your position in the market, right? And that, and these are basics that, uh, that's been around for a while. And as, as, uh, uh, managers sometimes we're innovating so much we forget those things, right? I was telling people, for example, you know, at HP, one of the things I learned very early on is build trust. People trust you, people trust your products, people trust your company. A lot of good things happen, right? And we've held that at, at our company, and in, in every company I've been at, but especially in this company, is it's about trust. When people trust you, right? You don't have to be perfect. Right, because some things happen. You don't have to, but people trust you that you make it right. And so, so things like that, I will go back and say, continue. You got to invest at that time. You got to invest in the fundamentals of kind of what it means to be part of this uh, of this you know workforce and be part of this market, this world, right? And and do those things. And sometimes we're in a hurry to kind of be the next amazing you know a startup or whatever, right? And, and but but I think that that time I spent, I spent six years there, and that time I spent there was a very, very good investment to build a solid foundation. How do you treat people? How do you treat customers? How do you treat, you know, these are the things that you should do, right? I think at the time, at the time, I was, you know, this is probably more is, I had, didn't have my eyes open as much as I probably should have, right? I was very inward looking as far as, hey, this is kind of my job inside Hewlett Packard. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to get better at. And, and just very focused on, you know, just doing my job well. Which I, and again, I think it's really important to do, but didn't see myself as part of a broader ecosystem, right? Whether that's part of Silicon Valley or the tech world or the planet or the US, you know, like you can think about broader and, and we, we don't have to segment ourselves so much, right? That I learned over the years that, you know, the, the, the people you meet, the relationships you build, the, all those things that you do, they cross, they transcend the boundaries of company logos, right? They transcend the boundaries of your, your professional task, right? Yeah, and so, um, but, uh, um, and, but I didn't, didn't realize that until later, you know, much later in time. So, look, you know, there's nothing wrong with actually going and talking to something, you know, somebody who works for a competitive company. <laughs> What's wrong with it? It's like, yeah, but, but I think those are things to me that being able to hold those things simultaneously in your mind yeah you want to be really good at the job you have right you don't want to always you know, we've got to learn and build all those things 
but have eyes open. It's like learn, learn from everybody around us. Learn from people who are doing other things, other industries, other other parts of the world, other parts of you know. I mean, those are all things that I think uh, um, today really add tremendous value to kind of how how I think about the the world, how I think about problems, just because. Um, we can draw so many parallels by just watching what other people are doing and connecting with people and learning from what other people are doing in you know all, all, all walks of life. And so, so that's kind of what I would have done probably more. And, and uh, um, um, yeah, I think that's kind of yeah, that, that would be my answer to that. Rodrigo, what a treat to spend the last hour with you. Thank you so much for talking with us about your background, your team, the company that you all are building together, your vision for the future, and how other people can follow in your footsteps. We're just really grateful that, that you were willing to invest some time in Breakline. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, great, great chatting with you, and I look forward to connecting again soon. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode in the Breakline Arena. We hope that you're walking away feeling a little inspired, a little bit moved, and feeling as if you learned something. I tell you what, if you enjoy what you heard today, we only need you to do one of three things. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe, and if it really touched your spirit, go on review and rate this episode. It would mean a lot to us. It helps us get the word out there. It helps us continue to share this great content. And most importantly, we just love to hear what, you, what you'd have to say about some of the content that we're putting out there. So please join us again here in the Breakline Arena. Once again, my name is Kenny Vaughn, and I am signing out from the Breakline HQ with my partner in crime. Sophia Bodwin, we will see you next week. <laughs>